On this episode of Whale Cave, Greg Barrent fronts a surf ska band, Molly Prather takes a Def Leppard song literally, and host Matt Price talks John Lennon with his two-year-old daughter. Whale Cave starts now. everybody, welcome to Whale Cave. My name's Matt Price. You're listening to A.C. Newman off of his new album, Shut Down the Streets. That's right, shut them down, folks. This is Whale Cave. Uh, that song is called Do Your Own Time. I'm going to play a little bit of A.C. Newman throughout the show. I'm a fan. He was the, the one of the, or still is actually, one of the lead singers uh, of the new Pornographers with Nico Case. I'm a fan. Uh, I'm also a fan of the two people we have on our show today, Greg Barrett. Very funny. Molly Prather, also very funny, here on Whale Cave to tell amusing stories that are music-related. So thank you for listening. Real quick, I never do this at the top of the show or in the middle or at the bottom, but uh, I'm, I'm suggesting that you email me, everybody, and I do mean everybody, at matt at whalecave.com, M-A-T-T at whalecave.com. Do you have a story you'd like to tell? Do you live in Los Angeles? And perhaps you'd like to come in and tell it? Email me. Tell me what the story is. Or if you have a comment, hey, Matt, what's up? Sounding good? Send. Matt at whalecave.com. Love to hear from you. Also, hey, go to iTunes, review the show, give it a couple stars, give it five stars, whatever. Let's get the word out, people. Okay, that's the business. I'm not, I'm not that good with the business thing. That's the whale cave business. Here's something else I want to talk about. Uh, I've talked about this before a little bit. My daughter, she's two years old. Talked about how I want to get her listening to more cool music, kind of build that foundation. A couple uh, episodes ago, I talked about how she got a CD for her birthday with the song I Love Pussy on it. It was very disturbing. You can find that episode in the past. Uh, but uh, we're trying to, I'm trying to get her to listen to uh, uh, you know other music than Barney, Mother, Mother Goose Club, I Love Pussy, things like that. Uh, and I think we had a breakthrough this morning. We're driving to preschool. And I, I have a Beatles playlist that I play. It's got 25 Beatles songs. And uh, two of us comes on off of Let It Be. And I always, whenever a song comes on, I'll kind of explain to her who's singing. And sometimes, she, sometimes she'll be into it and sometimes she'll be like, I want to hear apples and bananas, you know, stuff like that. But this time, at the beginning of Two of Us, John Lennon kind of talks. He talks a little bit. It's probably an, it's something he was goofing around in the studio, I'm sure, something he said. And they lopped, they put it on the top of Two of Us. But she heard him and she goes... That's John Lennon. I like John Lennon. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh my, and I almost got an accident. Like they say, don't text and drive. You know, you shouldn't also don't be too prideful of your daughter's music selections and drive. Because I almost rear-ended the guy in front of me. And then we, we talked about John Lennon. She said, I like John Lennon's so- singing. And I said, yeah, John Lennon's one of the greatest songwriters of all time. I love John Lennon. And she said, I love John Lennon. It was really exciting. And we listened to two of us and it, the songs about two of us kind of going nowhere and it was just me and my daughter two of us it was all very sort of like cheese ball kind of hallmarky but i loved it i loved every second of it and then obladi oblada came on which is not one of my favorite songs of the beatles but i figured she'd like it you know because it's kind of it makes no sense and uh and she goes that's john lennon i love john lennon and i was like no that's paul mccartney he's the other big you know uh singer on the beatles and she said no that's john lennon and I thought about, like, uh, like, do I, is this a moment where I'm, you're a parent and do, do, do you teach 
Do you teach her and you explain how important the difference is between John and Paul and like how John was kind of the heart and Paul was like the mind of the Beatles? And do I really want to get into that and kind of, but then I thought it'd make her sad. So I was like, yes, that's John Lennon. That's John Lennon. And we, we sang Obadiah, Obadiah. And, uh, and I was like, you know what? At least it's not Barney or I Love Pussy. That was another A.C. Newman excerpt. That song's called I'm Not Talking. Ironic, I am talking. Okay. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> hey, everybody. All right. What a good start. Woo! What are we begun? I'm uh, Molly Proudly just called that horrible from the side. Okay. <laughs> I'm sitting here with Greg Barrett. Yep. Uh, thanks for being in Whale Cave. It's my pleasure. Greg Barrett, to me, the ideal Whale Cave... Uh, I was going to say contestant. You're just now sitting up the audience for 15 or 20 minutes of unremarkable. <laughs> no, well, that's what I was saying because the yeah. podcast is pretty unremarkable. Yeah. So it's, it's, you're perfect for it. No, because uh, I know you as a comedian right. and a musician. Yeah. And this is sort of where you know it, it's, a, it's a place to tell those stories, so yeah. sort of musical tales. Yeah. And I always thought, oh, you'd have a bunch of them. So go. Nope. I. Uh, it's so funny for a guy that likes both those things. Zero stories. <laughs> Nothing not to one. chat about. Nope. All right, well, I have for a listening. sweatshirt that's got a band's name on it. If that's a story, but that's how all bands start. You just make a sweatshirt. Yeah, that's what. That's what. That's what I used to think. <laughs> if you just had the right name and the good, and a, like a super good pair of pants, yeah. the songs would come later. What do you got? What do you got? Pants on? What do you got? Well, I got shorts on now. Okay. But uh, but all of my bands have any band that I've ever been in has worn outfits and uh, oh really? Some sort of yeah yeah some sort of some sort of a uniform. I like a uniform. Um, I like a band in I like bands in outf- in clothing or outfits. I don't care for the let's just put our shit on and be. I don't care for three doors down. That's what I'm just saying flat out. <laughs> if your intention is to be three doors down, I don't know you. Okay. And your era has sadly come to an end because white men with guitars are uh, about to become the clarinet. <laughs> as far as rock and roll goes, don't you think? I think clarinets are coming back is the thing. I think they have a better shot now than the guitar. The Decemberists, I, think, I feel like, are bringing back every instrument. What is the Decemberists? Yes, yes, and you know. probably yeah, and and our, and they'll they'll just add an arcade fire, and you won't know it exactly. Suddenly, there's an all tuba band. Yeah, it'll be like a girl in suspenders or something. There'll be something <laughs> right. really quirky about it on stilts. Mm-hmm. But you're in a band. Oh, a couple of things. First of all, uh, I wanted to mention your well, your band now, Reigning Monarchs, is your current band. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I also don't want to forget that you have a podcast as well. Called Walking the Room. Walking the Room. It's as much as we need to mention it. Done. No, it's a good. It's a, it's good. Okay, great. No, no. Um, but your band now. You were telling me before that you because I've known you. I think you were in a band before Raining Mon. I know you've been in a few bands, mm-hmm. but you were saying that you came down when you came down to L.A. You I came down to really... Los Angeles in '93 with a band. I would. I had. I had been doing stand up sort of. I was doing a splitting time between both. I was in a band in San Francisco, and I was doing stand-up for about five years. I was doing both. Mm-hmm. But I really had my eye on the stand- band was really the thing I wanted to be. And I came down with a band called the New Sheridans, which if we'd been better, we would have we were doing what, no doubt, ultimately. Like I was in a car one day and heard uh, just a girl and was like, well, we're done. <laughs> like literally, it was like we well, can't beat that. We well, there's not, there can't be two of these, right. right? There can't be, and it was so good and so like 
fuck, we've been working so hard to create that. You know, like where you have something in your head that like kind of grabs all of the like a little bit of Weezer, a little bit of ska, a little bit of like it had just a little bit of everything in it. Sure. And then and our singer had kind of a bright, brassy sort of just verging on theme park show tune mm-hmm. singer, but more on that side than where Gwen is. And it just was like, wow, that was over. And same style, musically, same. Yeah, there was a, like, that punk ska thing. Like, there was ska rhythms, and there were punk rhythms, and, you know, power pop kind of, you know, it was all that sort of thing, which 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 was a mistake during the... This was at the height of grunge, by the way. So How No Doubt Made It Through is hard to, to figure as well. Yeah. But that was, you know, it was a really... Like, if your band wasn't called Paw, you weren't in a band. That's what the, that's what it was <laughs> in 93. Like, if you weren't in Sift, you know, or Lint, right. you know what I mean? If you weren't in a one-word, right, one-syllable yeah. band, you weren't in a band. It wasn't happening for you, you know? <laughs> and if your singer didn't growl, then you were like, you know what I mean? It was just, you know, there was just a lot of, there were a lot of those dudes. Yeah. From the candle box to the... Skinyard, you know, it's just it was all it was all that. That's what my biography is going to be called, by the way, from Candlebox. From Candlebox. To Skinyard. Skinyard. <laughs> yeah, that's from from Cradle to the Grave. My life in music. Yes. <laughs> and what, so, didn't when you realize that? Because I've yeah, had I that moment it, in it, comedy where I've seen somebody and I've been like, like I, the first time I saw UCB actually when I lived in New York. Yeah, I was in a sketch group and I thought, well, we're we we're terrible. We're not, and we, and we literally stopped. I mean, we we did like one more show and we're like, okay. I saw well, not that good. And they're I, doing know, a cool thing. You know, it is one of those things where, yeah, you do sort of go, okay, well, that's being done, and I don't know where I go. It's, and I never felt that way with comedy. That's the one thing I was like, well, I have a voice, and it's pretty singular, and 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 it'll either work or it won't. But I, but I, but I do feel there's room for plenty of variation in comedy. But with music, yeah, I was in a group called Highly Improbable. That was the thing. <laughs> so that. <laughs> My <laughs> my my improv group that I started and here's how I started comedy. I was uh, an actor and I joined an improv group and there and and, and in my improv group was a uh, a girl named Margaret Show. Heard and Margaret her. had been doing stand up for about three months and she said you should try stand up and I was like are you kicking me out of the group because that <laughs> feels personal. Um, but our our, our stand up group was called Crash and Burn which was inevitable from the beginning. Right. Uh, and we weren't even schooled. Like, we were just people that had taken an improv class in college and then started a group where mm-hmm. we just took suggestions. A lot of time, which a lot of the suggestions were stop. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> stop. Please stop. Fucking stop. Right. Why? Were you Crash and she was Burn? Or was it, were there a No, there was a bunch of other okay. Crash and Burners. Okay. We were just in the group and both sort of, right. you know, swam safely to stand up. But I had never... I like I, I didn't grow up loving stand up. I didn't grow up loving. I mean, I didn't not like. I like comedy like most people like music. Like I liked it and I had pretty good taste in it. But it wasn't. I never saw. I never was like, oh god, if I could only be on Saturday Night Live or oh my god, if I could only be in Monty Python or oh my god, if I could only be George Carlin. Like I just, I like Bill Cosby a lot, but I never ever thought about it as a career. It was always going to be a band. So you thought music or place kicker? That's what I wanted. <laughs> Which is what most... A lot of guys don't shoot for that. I never even place kick. Yeah. I just wanted that to be No, Jimmy job. Page always wanted to be a place kicker. Mm-hmm. That was his big... That's true. Yeah, and he yeah. settled for Led Zeppelin. <laughs> he did what he could, right. All right, I'll do it. Yeah. He's still That's out awesome, of, my Jimmy Page. He's still out on his law. It's weird, because it sounds nothing like... <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's do it. It does. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like he's in Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> Please, sir. Um, what did you... Did you play... Because now you play guitar and bass, or do you I play just, guitar? Okay, I play guitar, and uh, is that how you've always played? I've always played and, guitar. So when you were a kid, you were like, I want to, I want to play guitar in a band. Yeah, and, I want to play guitar in the a new band. Sheridans. And I was in the new Sheridans. I played in. I mean, in, in college, I was in a band called Pelican Bob. I was in a band called the Brechtian Playboys. I was in a band like just a bunch of names. I was in a band <laughs> called Trouble Bob. Gum. I was in a band called. <laughs> 
uh, Liz for a while. Liz? Liz, which, which was sort of a joke theory. name, but then it became our name. Yeah, it was around that time, and then we went with the new Sheridans, uh, which is... Uh, was Liz an ironic name based on what was happening at the yeah. time? I've always, I've always managed to try and be ironic and not pull it off, so it's like, I got a mullet. That's a mistake. Like, I'm trying to reference something, and it's like, no, that just <laughs> seems like you. Like, right. you're, you are in Blizz. Yeah. You're the guy from the band Blizz. Like, you're the guy <laughs> that thinks Blizz is cool. There's nothing about you that tells me you're even kind of ironic. <laughs> if you wear a Phil Collins t-shirt, you're a Phil Collins fan, period. And I'm not. <laughs> right. But I would wear it, like, check it out. Like, I was running in a winger t-shirt in Arizona, and guys went, faggot! And I went, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. okay. Yep. I, I can't, you can't see the irony. Call I it. seem like a winger fan. <laughs> and did you, when you were- She was only 17, though. <laughs> Is that right? She's only seventeen. Yeah, that was Winger's big one. Yeah. Were all these bands the same sort of punk ska? Mm-hmm. They're all as minimalist amount of like I wrote most of the songs, and so all the guitar. Like I was a really I came up in the era of Eddie Van Halen. So if you owned a guitar and you couldn't play anything or didn't aspire to that, you weren't a guitar player. So when I found the jam and I could find and I found out you could do less mm -hmm. that was my thing I think the romantics was like the first record I heard like what I like about you and went F oh you can do less uh -huh. that's who I want to be as a guitar player and then I got into ska which is like the least amount of guitar playing you can do right and that's sort of my thing like I like playing rhythm I can play some solos and that kind of thing but I don't aspire to that what I aspire to do is put a band together and then find people to play with me and help create a sound, you know, create something and then let better people do what they do. And, and then I'll run the rest of the ship. I'll make the outfits. I'll do the logos. I'll make the sweatshirts. I'll book the gigs. I'll, you know, I'll sort of mastermind this whole, I'll sort of Malcolm McLaren the whole thing. Right. You know, I, I'll, I'll fire people for no reason. I'll wear weird hats uh, and a cape. I'll sometimes tap people with a stick <laughs> and say, you're out. And then I'm a weird band leader, but. <laughs> but it's effective. <laughs> I try and do what I can. What now? You yeah. you mentioned so, the outfits and the hats a couple times too. Yeah, I would always want the band to dress up. So like when we were in the New Sheridans, the girl would dress sort of like she had like a, almost like a Gwen meets Kiss thing, and then the dudes Whoa. all wore red jackets with ruffled shirts. And this is pre like um, pre Shagadelic, pre mm -hmm. uh, you know what was that? What's uh, you know uh, Austin Powers mm -hmm. pre Austin Powers? So he sort of had an Austin Powers look. You know, very sort of princeish, you know, right. kind of thing. Like, I just wanted, I always felt like when people came to see you, you should be, there should be a show. Like, right. all my favorite bands dressed up. You know, all the people that I liked had some sort of, there was some sort of a concession that this is a stage show and you were seeing, you know, it's an part artist. of the act, yeah. Yeah, even now. I mean, like Jack White, like, you know what I mean? Like, where every, even, his, every, even the tubes in his amp are considered and thought about and what they would look like if someone had to break his amp open. They would go, well, those match his hat. You know what I mean? Like that. Right, yeah. It's truly. He's those that woofers kind of, have a mustache. Yeah. That's right. Like they, they, it has all that sort of sort of stuff on it. So I really like the Clash. We're very specific. They couldn't have been gayer about their outfits. They had different uniforms every album out. You know what I mean? Like they really were, you know, for a bunch of punks, they were really sartorial. No, I never thought of Clash. That I was thought the Clash is like, fuck it. No, not at all. It was so predictable. I mean, they Jackson Pollock mm. their clothes. They were the guys that sort of brought splatter paint into the 80s. Um, they did. They really did. They like in the seventies. They were splatter painting their stuff, sort of, you know, as a tribute to Jackson Pollock. And then they, then they wore military outfits, or then they dressed like forties gangsters. Like they're all very specific. I mean, at the end when they did Combat Rock, like those outfits were like, "Are you going down to the SF Eagle? Because hello, sir, how are you? What time are we meeting at the bottoms up? Like you've got a cap on tilted sideways and you're sleeveless." And everybody looks like they want to meet Daddy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess so. I never, I never thought about it. I guess I always thought that was for the. 
No, I mean, look at the Sex Pistols. The they were really right. They were that's Vivian Westwood. Like that's all the beginning of the, her whole deal. Like it was all very considered and very thought out. There was nothing. You know, and even if you go back now, I don't. There's never really been a band that's actually just like Pearl Jam was like, yeah, we just all happen to love wearing long johns underneath our short pants with our exact flannels and the hairs the same length. Like, right? They had outfits too. They basically embodied and created the grunge thing. You could say Nirvana kind of just showed up in their shit. They pretty much just wore dirty jeans and cardigans. I guess. Yeah, I'm wondering what the line is. Like, what's the line between Kurt Cobain waking up in his, you know, flannel shirt that he's worn for five days in a row? And Eddie Vedder's pinned up pants. Like how – like I don't know. I think know. you can see it. I think you can smell the authenticity of mm-hmm. somebody who doesn't take a bath and the authentic – you know what I mean? And then people who <laughs> – right. or like you know, even Springsteen who sort of morphed into this like – you know, I mean in the old days he would wear a satin blazer and his beard and then he suddenly became a guy that works on the line at Chevy. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's a very specific gym worked out shirt rolled stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, kind of thing. I think it's great. There's nothing wrong with that. I, that's the that's the problem. I feel like is that people like make a big deal out of that as though there's some shame and you right. know standups especially are like I'm just wearing my shit, you know. Yeah. And I think and I think probably for standup because most standup has an everyman sort of feel. It's hard to go up there and be different than the audience and not and be able to pull it off. Right. You know, Tompkins does it in a very good way, but Tompkins doesn't align himself with the audience. The audience either has to align themselves with him or they're out. Right. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. sort of the that's sort of because he's uh, you know thinking about guys that are sartorial in the you know, yeah. Um, and we also talk about tonsorial later on about people whose hair because <laughs> Dane Cook certainly has a tonsorial story and I know I do. <laughs> he does. He is very tonsorial. What? Um, okay. So I'm just trying to follow the tra- the path. Yeah. The Greg Barrett musical path. Mm-hmm. So the new Sheridans. So anyway, so I came. So so around in 1996, uh, my band broke up. I split up with my girlfriend. I sort of bottomed out with drugs and alcohol and I got sober and I moved out of my apartment that I was living in with all these women and I moved into a home, a place with David Cross and I just decided I needed to like pick something. So I picked stand up because it was easiest to do. It's sort of my default setting as a person and I can do it and I don't need five other people and, and I got kicked out of the band I was in anyway so and when I say kicked out what I mean is they broke up and reformed without me oh. uh, and they hate when I tell that story because we're all still friends but that is what happened this is as much as they pretend that it didn't um, so I um, uh, just started doing catering and stand up and I would just go to open mics and I had success pretty quickly at stand up mm-hmm. so I put the guitar down from then until um, uh, I was around 44 so that was maybe 10 years. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were not 54. 50, I'm 50. No, I'm f- until I was 44. No, I'm, f- I'm, fi- I'm 49. Oh, I thought you said 10 years. Oh, sorry. 10 years prior. <laughs> that's, yeah, 10 years prior. Molly Prather, Molly Prather asking that question. No. Um, <laughs> no, no I would okay. love. I want that reaction when I'm 54. I want someone to go, what the fuck with the lies? <laughs> Your pores are mice. Yeah, I know, they're microscopic, but that's because you I use a... I am well. <laughs> Although the converse of that is, she was also kind of like, yeah, I could see forty nine though, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The there con- right. there, was, there wasn't a huge reaction to forty nine. Yeah, I'm forty nine. I'll be fifty in a couple months. But yeah, um, wow. So you took a? Did you when you were? Did you think about? I mean, were you just so? I mean, you were really busy in that time. And I was just sort of Obviously. done, and I had success with stand up, and I and um, and I was never going to blend the two because I never like. Because also around that time, I was friends with Jack and Kyle and, and, and that crew. And so I watched those guys create their songs. Like mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was at the first open mics that they were doing their stuff. 
And when you and then I was like, well, there's that was sort of the no doubt thing of like, well, I'm never blending it because it'll never be that good. Like I, like they basically took like up until that point, for the most part, people did musical parodies, and those guys were a complete whole other thing. That yeah. kind of like, you know, because of them, then you get. Flight of the Concords and and Karen Kilgariff and 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 uh, Garfunkel. You know what I mean, like, but they really fucking just made it like, oh, it's actual music and these are actual songs that you could sing along to that you're humming when you leave the show. You don't feel embarrassed of, and they're like, they did something so completely different. So my thing was, if I was ever going to do music again, it was going to be just music. It was going to be music that people who listen to music would like, mm-hmm. pure, like, authentic. You know, and then I didn't want to have a singer in the band because. When I started it again, so I had a talk. I, I so I wrote this book. It got popular. I had a talk show. Blah blah blah. That whole thing sort of ended, and I wasn't working, and I couldn't get work. And I had some guitar lessons that my mom, my wife had bought me for Christmas, and I went and took them. and And I wanted to write a piece of song to write on, to go on stage with, and I wrote this song called "Fanfare for a Well Dressed Man," which is the first song on the Rainy Monarchs record. Mm-hmm. And then he, my buddy was like, do you have any other songs? I was like, oh, I have these riffs here. And then we just made a record over maybe a year and a half. We just had like 13 songs. And then we decided to play at Largo. And so then it became this band. But then once we did it, I was like, well, this is cool, but it's really surfy. And I really want to do something that's – if we're going to make music, people should be dancing to it and not looking at us. Like I don't want to be in a band. <laughs> I don't want to st- – I already do something where the, the attention's on me. Right. I want to be able to play music where people get fucking wasted and dance and just have a good time and the band is sort of inconsequential other than we're sort of creating a soundtrack for you to dance to. So that's the goal now is to make a really ska, reggae sort of surf record. Um, but that's, Which is a pretty is. unique – that's a very unique genre. I mean that's – It's unique enough to have almost no following and I think what's <laughs> cool about that is you can't fail because you're the only band. Yeah. But if we made a record, it would be I would want it to be a good enough instrumental record that it could be nominated for a Grammy. The guys I play with are superb, you know. There'd I'm, be no one else in your category. Well there wouldn't be. Right, exactly. You know. But I mean there are instrumental bands Scott, like right. the like we were all talking about Friday Night Lights, you know, Explosions in the Sky are Brian Husky was on do you know you know Brian Husky? Do you know Brian? I don't. He's a UCB act he's a, a great actor, but he he was on the show and we talked about Explosion in the Sky and uh Godspeed E Black Emperor. Yep. Yeah, and, uh, some of that post rock stuff. He turned me onto those guys. Yeah, it's incredible. They're, yeah. they're incredible. I don't know how they remember their songs. Like, I don't know how they remember their songs. Like, I listen to their songs. I'm like, how would you remember when that change is? Because right. it's 74 minutes before that happens. Exactly. You know, and they all kind of sound sort of the same, but also completely different. And it's so moody that I'm like, how do you not just start crying during your songs? Yeah, <laughs> and feel bad for the team. Yeah, we, I saw Explosion in the Sky in concert at the Palladium, and and it was it was funny because my wife and I were talking about it, and I was like, <laughs> I was just asking what she thought about the show, and she kind of she liked it because she she loves Friday Night Lights, and she she was like, well, I liked the first part of the first song, you know, they played like three songs because they were all right. half an hour, yeah. So she was like, I liked the first part of the first song, and then I think what happened was the second song, <laughs> I didn't like. And then the third song was good, but I know I missed like 10 minutes of it because I went to the bathroom. <laughs> but it was just funny, like talking about songs. But now, how do like people experience them? Like, do, when, when people go to that show, because I've never seen them, so what is that like? Do, they, do people stand there? They There's a lot of standing and nodding. It was a lot of very sort of like that kind of right. hipstery standing and nodding right. and looking. We and, knew we could never get people to just watch us. A, mm-hmm. we're too old. B, it's just like I don't, wanna, I don't think people want that experience anymore. I think people want to go out to the club and have – like for us, they'd have to have – there'd have to be another reason, which is they want to get their friends together and they want to just get in a circle and, you know – 
skank or do whatever. Like they just want to go do that. And I we we played this place called the Other Door, which we're playing this next Tuesday. And it's a small club, and and then the band's on the floor. And as soon as the trombone goes, the place just goes fucking nuts. And everyone's moving, and no one's really paying attention to us. And we're just sort of paying, vibing off each other. And it's like this is the experience I've been waiting to have my entire life. Like that whole thing of like, because it's also a communal thing. Like when you're in a band, it's like you and these other dudes, and it's really not about you. You know, when you're a stand up, which I've been doing for years, it's just about you. Yeah. And you don't even get to experience it really because you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And you get to experience the audience, but you're not having that. Whereas with music, you are having the same experience to them because you're listening to the band and there's other people creating it. And so you're all sort of in the same place. And I think that's the biggest difference between the two things is that stand-up is a give and take. Music is sort of a we're all ha- – this is happening to all of us. Yeah. Except Tommy Lee. If Tommy Lee's in your band, he doesn't know what's happening. <laughs> he doesn't know who it's happening to. But he, I'll tell you what he is excited about. He just got, he got new plastic pants today. So he, he didn't yeah. give a shit. Is he uh, possible a member of the band? Possible Tommy Lee, no, but guest? you know, all of our drummers are famous in the world of music. So, is that right? Yeah, like uh, our drummer. So the drummer we have that plays on our records, he plays with Melissa Etheridge. The drummer that we had last time we played plays with um, used to play Smash Mouth, now plays with Dwight Yoakam. The drummer before that uh, is out with Morrissey and plays with Narles Barkley. Um, and then we also have a guy who plays uh, used to play with Matchbox Twenty. So it's and then and also oh I know yeah. that I know that drummer that, Ryan oh I mean Paul Paul is uh, was now the guitar player yeah he's a good his his wife is my his ex wife is my wife's writing partner Moon sure Dapa. who is also whale cave she's whale caved it she's whale caved she's incredible yeah Moon whale caved it yeah she's funny right great hilarious yeah yeah really one of the funny. one of the funniest seriously one of the funniest human beings that's ever drawn breath yeah ridiculous Truly. yeah. And crazy, in a beautiful way. Beautifully crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, so you guys. So now, the is there a is there a not that you have a goal, mm-hmm. but I mean, yeah. So here's what we're gonna do. So we've made a, a record. <laughs> <laughs> we made a record a couple years ago. Then we made an EP this summer. Now, oddly enough, we just did it for fun, and we put it out. And we wanted to make raise money to make the records. We didn't have any money, so we sold T-shirts, and we in an hour. In seven hours, we sold out of T-shirts. We made these Raining Monarchs T-shirts. And so then the record started selling, like more than the other records sold. And then we were on, we were on Bandcamp. That's where, one of the places where we have our record. Mm-hmm. And we were number one in punk for four weeks. So then we got offered a tour. We got offered two different tours, both of which we couldn't take because they were, I mean, God, do you think stand-up's hard? Holy crap. So they're like $300 a night, and there's six guys in the band. So right. I'm like, well, we can't do that. And then I was talking to one of the Sklars, and I was telling them the whole story, and they were like, no, you have to do that. You have to go out and do that. You should document that experience. You get the New Yorker, someone to write an article about you trying to have your band happen at 50. And I was like, what if I made a documentary about that? So that's what we're doing. So we're starting no a go go campaign next week to make this record, which we'll make over Christmas. Then we already started shooting the documentary, and we're going to start to put together a documentary about me trying sincerely next year to do a tour, tour with a band, Go to Japan, go to Europe, try and get on Conan. So those are the things we're going to try and accomplish wow. in 365 days because I, I have a wife and a mortgage and a life that's falling apart very rapidly, financially. <laughs> Emotionally, I'm perfect. I'm on all kinds of good pills. Yeah, you seem great. But so I have a year to get this sort of done. So that's sort of the goal of this. Wow. This thing. I don't know if it'll even make a good documentary, but we're going to shoot it. And the I don't stars know. will watch it. I mean, You've got two two admission all you tickets need. right there. That's all you need. Yeah, they'll they, tweet about it. They have like a jillion. They'll tweet. <laughs> they're always tweeting. They're we're, always tweeting. We're going to yell Henderson every five minutes yeah. during the yeah. during the making of the thing. I just want to. That's the one thing I do feel like a phony about. I have a lot of musician friends, 
And I've never done – I've never been boots on the ground. Like I've never gotten the van and done that. I've done the stand-up touring thing, which mm-hmm. seems – is so much cushier because you're usually in a hotel, sometimes in a condo. But you're sort of taken care of. Whereas in a band, you're just getting your van and go and hopefully the guys can screw you at the door and hopefully some people come. And no one will come see us because well, why would they? They don't know us. Well, that's why – But maybe we go out with the boss tones or something it. like that. Exactly. You know, so there's a record label called Side One Dummy that put out um, Flogging Molly and Gaslight Anthem and – they're sort of interested in helping us out. And it's interesting how many people have said, hey, we'll help you. I can get you on tour. We can get you a couple of opening dates with the band, blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of neat. What's that, and what venue are you talking? Like, what are the venues? Like, a, a, compare a venue you're going to go out to, to a venue in LA. Like, is it, is it like a troubadour sized venue? Is it like a. Uh, probably even smaller. Okay. We're, yeah. Like punk clubs, punk clubs, VA halls, so, tiny places. So I'm sure people come see you know? that. I mean, maybe. I think if we could get some sort of like buzz on the internet a little bit or figure out some way to even make it a mini series. I don't know. I don't know. There's all kinds of ideas. Why don't you make it a web series? It's, it's all the same. You have to. You can make a lot of things, but if you don't yeah. have a lot of people paying attention to you in the first place, you just have a lot of things you've made that no one's watching. <laughs> Trust me. I know. But don't you think because you – I feel like you've done – like the, this whole thing seems very organic. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the best way to approach it just from an organic standpoint. Like, well, let's just do our music and – See That's sort of it. Come. Just sort of see what happens. Like the, the right. music's good enough, and this first, this last record, this little EP, people really took a shine to, and so you know, you know, and I know enough music people to like push things to, and and uh, um, I just want to play music in front of people. That's really the goal. It's just to be in a room full of people and play music. I, the rest of it is just sort of the hassle of trying to get there. I think that's what, you know, there's this new. Have you seen this uh, Twitter feed? I hate indie rock. Oh, no. Wait, what is it? Oh, you should check it out. You guys would both get kicked out of it. It's this guy, if you go through it, it's like his, this, his. I hate indie rock? Yeah. And it basically his tweet, his, his tweet, Twitter feed reads like a blog and he talks about what artists should be doing and all this stuff uh, and how everyone's a sellout and blah, 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 you know. Um, but he, what he doesn't, what he doesn't get is that, you know, he's like, you should be able to get your music to people by playing shows and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, but the, the, the people's eyes and ears are on the internet. You, you can say they should be over here, but that's not where they are. They right. go to the internet. So why wouldn't you put your song in a commercial that might run on the internet? Because where the fuck else are they going to hear you? Like people don't listen to radio and they're going to stop. At some point, someone's going to look at their radio and go, what am I putting this on for? <laughs> like truly, they're going to listen to some other version of what's happening here in this room coming through that portal in their car, but it won't be commercial radio. You know, it just is like, it's like that whole thing of like, you know, when this election happened, people woke up and went, wow, white people really are kind of done for. Like, yeah, white <laughs> men as a, as a power group, it's, it's done. It's like, it's, it's been being done for a long time. And it took the left hook of the second election to make people go, oh, it's real. Right, it's actually yeah. real. There's actually gays and women and everybody else is like, go fuck yourselves, white men. White men are the radio. White men are the radio and the guitar. Yeah. And that's the thing I was saying to my buddy about guitar the other day. I was like, I think the guitar, a guy like Slash almost seems silly right now. Think about it. It does. Like in, when, you, it, when I was a kid and, and Eddie Van Halen and Slash, those were like music gods. Like they were gods. And now it's kind of like the idea of a guy taking a solo wearing a top hat or any kind of hat of any kind, including, <laughs> and I enjoy a fedora. The, See, I think, you'd appreciate, I think you'd appreciate it. I think you'd appreciate it. No, I like him. His, his what I'm saying is, 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 is if I've got kids and you've got kids, they aren't going to care. They didn't grow up with that. They're going to grow up in this hip-hop infused dubstep. They're going to grow up in this whole different era where those things weren't valued. Just like we didn't come up valuing the clarinet and going, where are the Benny Goodmans? 
Right. Why are we, you know, we were promised a Benny Goodman. Like, it'll still be a thing that exists, of course. The guitar as an instrument's not going away. As have gun will travel, I think it's going to be, I, th- I think it'll seem silly to people. Mm. If you heard a guitar solo not played by Jack White in the last 10 years that you really liked, and that's even me, you may not even like Jack White. I do like Jack White. Oh, I love him. Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, I guess not. No, maybe I haven't. Although I, Gary Clark Jr., you know, like. Sure. You know. Sure. Okay. So there's one. There's a guy. There's a guy. Right. But he sounds a not. He sounds not on not on <laughs> like a little bit like Jack White and not on like a little like bit the like the Black Keys. Keys. Black right. Keys. And the Black Keys are not allowed to go to Jack White's record store in Nashville because that's how he feels about them. Is that true? Yes. Wow. Yeah, Jack White feels like, oh, okay, interesting, because I was doing that. And then you want to go, right, Jack, but also um, the flat duo jets, you, you took their whole thing, including <laughs> their leather jacket. You look exactly like them, except you got a girl drummer, because she won't argue with you. <laughs> and I worship him. I do, right? love, I do love Jack White. Yeah. When I think about the sociopathic qualities of Jack White and the fact that like the way he organized his whole thing, the black, and I mean with the red and the black and the white, and it's all based it's there's no way Jack White loses in any equation of his band. There's no one to fight with. The person who's playing with him is not a good enough musician to have an argument. That doesn't mean she's not great or that we don't love her primal beats, but she can't argue for anything in the band really because he's Jack White. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's not a whole like Meg's share of White Stripes Inc. might be half, but her power she's lame duck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if you look at it that way. And I think it's, I mean, it's smart. It's, you know, Rico Hayes could have done the same thing with the with the guys in the cars and computers. He could have just replaced them all because nobody was going to get to do anything other than what Rico Kasich wanted. Right. Although that blonde guy starred in Drive. Wasn't he in the Drive video? He was good. He was Benjamin good. Orr. He's the guy that fought back for the rest of them. He was okay. the union See? leader. Benjamin he fought Orr. back for Greg Hawks. Right. Wow. <laughs> Welcome to old guys talking about old bands. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, tell me one more time. Uh... Uh, Rainy Marks, what's the CD? Because you can get the CD on iTunes. You can get the, you can get the CD the on iTunes or you can get it for free over at Bandcamp. And then also on Bandcamp is our EP, All Summer Single, and our uh, seven inch, which is called uh, Tijuana Snake Fight. Um, and uh, it's all at uh, RainyMarks.com. What about the merch? Oh, it's on RainyMarks.com. And there's merch there. And you can go to the store. Story Merchandise is the name of our merchandise company, which we sell Walking the Room and uh, Rainy Monarch stuff. And if you want, if you want. Hang on, I'm being arrested. Okay. This would be great for the documentary. Yeah, <laughs> this is a good part. Do you want, last question, do you want to redo this whole thing for the documentary? <laughs> you mean put you in the documentary? No, I'm just saying we'll redo this whole conversation. We'll do another conversation, a different one. Terrific. I would love, I mean, I enjoy this very, I could do this. You could I love do this. this. Yeah. No, I no, no. talking about Well, music. I hope you could. I didn't let back. you talk at all. That's what I feel bad about. I'm glad I didn't talk. I talked a little bit. I said that thing about the cars. <laughs> 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 Welcome to Greg Barron Filibusters, your podcast. I said Gary Clark Jr. too. I like Gary Clark Jr. No, I really want you on here, so I'm really uh, and I want you to come back and is great fill us in. Yeah, I will on the two on the year. I'll let you know the year of the reigning monarch. I totally will. Greg Barron, thank you, buddy. Thank you. That was Greg Barron coming in here with a head, head full of steam. Greg Barron. Wow. Uh, don't meet a lot of people in surf ska bands, but I've listened to some of the Reigning Monarchs, and it's really good. And I'll, I'll be the first to tell you that I don't know much about ska at all. Sublime, were they ska? Kind of? No? No. Not at all. Okay. <laughs> Molly Prather telling me no. 
Anyway. Uh, but yeah, I, oh, in fact, here's my one Scott, <laughs> No Doubt, when he mentioned No Doubt, I forgot to say, um, when No Doubt was big, I was working at MTV, when No Doubt was kind of... You're when the, to show off. Was, yeah. And that's all I want to say. My probably... No. Uh, <laughs> and I got in a big argument with my friend, because I was saying, you will, after No Doubt, like Spiderweb, that was a big song, Spiderweb and uh, Don't Speak, that was another the one. Dr- the dramatic song. The dramatic, yes, sir, the dramatic win. Mm-hmm. Um... But I remember I was like, you will never hear of No Doubt after this album. You're fucking Ever. Kidding. And the Spice Girls at the time, I think, were pretty big, too. And you're too. like, oh, these girls are going to be around for a while. No, I basically, I think they were just finishing up. And I was like, basically, they will be the Spice Girls of this time. You'll never hear about Gwen Stefani again. You'll never hear. They're like the biggest band ever. And then she went on to have an equally gigantic solo career. Which Absolutely. Is unbelievable. Yeah, and she, in, in music videos, she was a pioneer with like, Moby. Kids dancing. Oh, yeah. With, she was big in the kids the, dancing movement. With, with, like, the Japanese girls dancing. With the Japanese girls dancing. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Well, this Molly Prather is here across from me. She already, she's chiming in. And I know Molly. Molly's, she did a bunch of uh, uh, my shows at UCB. She's hilarious actress, uh, writer. And uh, and she's shrugging it off and like, big deal. Woman about town. Woman about town. I'm driving around. Roustabout. <laughs> Thanks for being here. I'm so excited. I am so excited. I feel cr- incredibly intimidated by... By me? No. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Not at all. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> no, just like sitting next to somebody who like knows so much about music and lives about music. And he had a guitar well, thank like oh, tattooed right. on his leg. And I was like, oh, good. He did? He had a giant guitar tattooed on his leg. I'm glad. If I saw that, I would have fainted. You would have been like, oh, God, what do I got on this guy? I've got a tuba tattooed on my back. Well, that'll Same. make something happen. Okay. <laughs> That's um, super weird. I know what? That would be weird. But someone out there probably has a tuba tattoo to their back. Uh, no, there's no doubt in my mind that somebody has a tuba tattoo. No doubt, that's the theme, folks. Yep. No doubt was my first. That was my first favorite band. That was my first when I was in high school. That was the first time I really truly felt as though I connected with an artist. Oh really? Oh totally. Because like they weren't going to be very big. They weren't going to be I big. Thought. And I remember because do, do you know Showcase Theater down in Corona? It's like a no. tiny. Um, Greg will probably be playing it in his documentary. It's mm-hmm. this tiny, like, little punk house that was in Corona. And um, I had this, like, b- I literally hung out with a band when I was in high school. They, they were called Kleenex. My best friend Dave, Jim Miner, Paul Miner, and Brandon Belma on drums. And I got <laughs> thanked in the liner notes. And that was, like, the crowning moment of high school for in me. In Kleenex's liner notes? Yeah. And we used to go see punk bands all the time, but it was always, like, like guys and no doubt was like the only band with a girl that we were like allowed to go see and so i fell in love with no doubt and i had like this little um because like i was a little bit of a ska girl with my overalls and my vans my custom-made vans but i had a tiny little no doubt tank top that i would wear under my overalls because i was like that's my girl right yeah shout out total shot i would do the braids. shout out before they had shout outs I was really ahead of my time back in 94. <laughs> yeah, those overalls. Oh, my God. I, started, I wore those four years. Four years. Wow. I know. Wow. Really, really progressive in high school, this one. Um, you had uh, – you were telling me when you after when you were in your early 20s, uh-huh. you moved to New York. Yes. And you had a job. Uh, I started bartending like right when I moved to New York. 
And um, it was because I was sort of like doing the comedy thing, you know, musical theater, like doing all that. But, you know, survival job stuff was always – I started bartending at 22 when I was – I think like almost 23, 24-ish, I started working at this bar called Jake's Dilemma, which is like straight up coyote ugly bar where, you know, everybody gets... Wait, Jake's Dilemma? Where's Jake's Dilemma? Upper West. It's between... Of course. 70... Yes. 79th and 80th? Or 80th and 81st on Amsterdam. Yeah. I lived on uh, 75th and Columbus. Oh, I used to live. Uh, I used to live above that bar, Malachy's, on Seventy Second in Columbus. Whoa. That like shitty Irish dive bar had a studio right above it. Oh, really? And when you were in bed at night, you could literally like the jukebox would like vibrate through the ceiling, and yeah. Mick Jagger would sing you to sleep. <laughs> Wait, oh, wow, Jake's Dilemma. I was like, okay, I'm. Sorry. I worked at I worked at Jake's Dilemma and the Gin Mill, which were like both the on Gin that Mill, strip of course, with Brother Jimmy's. Sure, and- I had a horrible date at Brother Jimmy's. Oh, didn't everybody? I don't know. I feel, and their bartenders were like all thieves, and all of our bartenders fucked all their waitresses. It was like a good racket. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, anyway, I'm so sorry. No. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I was like, Jake's Dilemma, Jake's Dilemma. Okay. Yeah. So, you worked at Jake's Dilemma. Worked at Jake's, and, you know, it was like total, it was like that kind of bar that like, you know, we were right in between, like, Fordham Law School and uh, Columbia University. So we had tons of college kids sort of, like, learning to drink for their first time. And so we, um, you know, it was, like, very – it was, like, a very typical dive, right? Where it's just, like, hour of power and there's, like, dollar shots and dollar beers and everybody's just trying to get as fucked up as quickly as mm-hmm. possible. And we always had – it's. Um, we had these two DJs, this guy Kez, who actually now is one of the Swamp Brothers um, on that Discovery Show channel. Uh, it's like he ended up – he was our DJ for years and he Wait, ended this, up – Wait, that show where they're literally – They like are, are on an alligator farm. He's on – Kez is on that show? Yeah, it's him and his brother. He left Manhattan. To run the alligator farm. What? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Oh, Kez. And now it's like this giant yeah, show. No. And he's like, swamp people. Is it Swamp People or something like that? Swamp, swamp Brothers. Okay. Wow. All right. Oh, our our DJs went on to do big things. Oh, Kez. Kez was destined. He was destined. And he was great. He was a DJ. He was a bartender. But he ended up going down and working on that show. And then our other uh, DJ, Alex. Um, I think Alex was Friday and Kez was... Kez was Kez was Fridays, Alex was Saturdays. Um, and then Alex actually lives here now, works for Disney, and is having a baby in a couple of weeks. Oh, good for him. But they were very um, – it was like they they played that soundtrack of like getting drunk, right? You go to any college bar, mm-hmm. um, any bar probably around some sort of stadium that uh, is like serving drinks late. And it was like you get to that like 11 o'clock hour and it was the def- – pour some sugar on me um, – Sweet child of mine, welcome to the jungle. And you know, it's sort of like, it's like soundtracking the like getting amped up. And mm-hmm. it was always the big lead up to living on a prayer. Like, <sighs> and then the sing along jams, which, you know. And you as know, bartender, what's your role in all of this? To get people fucked up. But, I, but right. But I mean, in terms of the, <laughs> no, I know it. Bar- oh, you're sort like, of like when welcome to the jungle comes on, you're like, woo! And you like put a bunch of shots out, and you and you sing along, and like me and my friend Jamie actually, we were the two Friday night girls for years, and like every time they would 
um, play pour some sugar on me. We would like jump up on the bar top with like 10 bottles of Bud Light and a box of sugar and like, you know, pour sugar on everyone at the <laughs> bar and like shake up bottles and then like pour the beer over the sugar on Ugh. the people. Ugh. And, you know, people are just like, I'm alive. <laughs> and we were just, we were so fucking wasted too. And, you know, I remember thinking I was so sexy and then somebody <laughs> would I got a bunch of pictures once uh, from my friend Eline Chad Carter. They'd taken all these pictures and I just I looked like like the drunkest, most horrible like ex-girlfriend that shows up your house. Like every picture is me just like mascara coming down my face, like underwear hanging out, hair smack. <laughs> I was always just look like sweaty and insane. And people would just they would love it. You know, you're just like pouring Jack Daniels into their throats and they're like, oh God, you know, you have like those girls who are like 21 and wearing Ann Taylor and like interning at Goldman Sachs during the day. And they're just like, get me drunk. Um, and then you would have like you'd move into those sort of like sing along songs like Sweet Caroline. And again, it was just because there's that whole culture of like. The, the best bars make everybody feel like you're where you're supposed to be on that Friday night. Right. And there's something about like, you know, you pour shots and you're like you and you and like you're not friends, but you are now because you're cheersing and you're drinking and you've got fucking sugar on you. <laughs> I love you actually poured sugar on people. I know. And we thought it was like so like. Oh, we're fucking living the dream here. <laughs> like, right. like, because I remember the year I moved to New York was also the year that Coyote Ugly came out. And mm-hmm. I remember, I mean, it's the worst fucking movie. It's a terrible movie. Also kind of a documentary. But also <laughs> when I saw it, I was like, that's what I, fuck being an understudy in Les Mis. I want to do that. <laughs> I, and I remember... It's so funny because, like, that's a movie where, like, I I dated a bartender. And I remember we would watch it and be like, look, like, list all the discrepancies. <laughs> like, we'd be like, oh, that's so unrealistic. Because I remember they were all so excited at the end of the night when they're, like, counting out their money. And they're like, woo, we made $300. <laughs> and we're like... That's a slow Tuesday. We make seven. <laughs> Fuck you, Tyra Banks. Yeah. Piper Paraboo. Piper, but she, look at her. She's gone on to be on Broadway. Sure. Covert Affairs. Covert Affairs. Cheaper by the dozen. Cheaper her, by the yeah. dozen, too. I mean, who <laughs> knew her career? Her and Kez. May, her and Kez. You guys should have a reunion. I ha- I did get to have a little reunion with Kez. It was a surprise reunion, like, last January. Funniest dude, man. One of my favorite people on the planet. <laughs> and now he, like... And now he's on, like, the Today Show introducing alligators to people, like, regularly. He's the new Steve Irwin. He is, the, or the Bindi. I like Bindi, the, like, weird little fucked up daughter. Yeah, I don't, I don't you've now too deep. You're too oh, deep I'm now. so sorry. That's yeah, she okay. was, like, the leftover, like, the, well, not the leftover, but her dad died, and she was sort of like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to take over for my dad. And she was sort of like that super precocious kid. Oh, Steve Irwin's daughter. Wait, who are you talking about? I don't know. I wasn't talking. You, I am talking I about the daughter. I thought you said Irwin. I did. I did. 
Wait, well, I was saying Kez is the new Steve Irwin. Oh yeah, and, and now he, you're saying Steve Irwin's daughter is the new Steve Irwin. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I'm glad to clarify that. For the way. If you like, that, I thought uh, I totally lost. Email me at matt at whalecape.com. <laughs> Have you have any good stories about Steve Irwin, uh, <laughs> or Kez. D- former DJs, or people on reality television? But what I liked about you talking or you working at the bar was you were saying how you your music knowledge wasn't. Oh my god. Well, well, again, like I moved to New York, sort of like this super sheltered, like Orange County kid. Mm -hmm. And like I took to the big sophisticated city. I took very unsophisticated musical taste because it was like I loved No Doubt. I fucking loved Sheryl Crow's Tuesday Night Music Club. (laughs) I loved Bob... Bob Fosse's musical. <laughs> like, it was really like a limited, like, I think I was pretty like jacked up on like rent and, you know, dance hall crushers. And I remember I was at this bar. I think it's, is there a bar in New York City called the No Name Bar? I was I was out over like after improv class once and Michael Delaney, who was my improv teacher at the time, I remember him saying like, what do you listen to? And I was like, oh, doubt, Sheryl Crow. And he was like, are you serious? I was like, dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he just like shook his head. You're off the Herald team. Yeah, just like, I'm sorry, you're cut from yeah. whatever. Oh, we were the syndicate. Would, yeah. So um, so he so he just sort of like shook his head and like in classic Delaney older brother fashion, the next time I saw him, he'd made me an actual mixtape, a tape. And it was all um, like Bob Dylan, Neil Young, Nico, um, uh, Janis, like I think there was Janis Joplin on there. And then like Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm. And um, I remember being like, I ha- if I want to make it in New York City, <laughs> I have to memorize this tape. And I, would li- I listened to that thing religiously, religiously. And then... That must have made you hate that other music a lot more. Like... When you're, or I just wouldn't own prayer. up to it. So, like, I I think because I really... Because you're still a bartender at this point listening, pouring sugar on people. I'm pouring sugar on people. But you're also on the subway listening to... Listening to Jesus Christ Superstar right. and Bob Dylan. Yeah. And I, and I think that was... You know, you're in your 20s and you're like, you, identi- you completely identify... You are what you like, right? And so... I started sort of like using that as my currency. Like when people would be like, what kind of music do you listen to? And I'd be like, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, only having listened to like the one song that was on the tape. Yeah. But then I sort of, I was um, working happy hours at at that same bar at the time. And when you first got to your shift, you had to put $20 into the jukebox and, you know, play all this music. So that, so like the first two hours of your shift... Um, was sort of like your choice. <laughs> and I would choose all of those types of songs. So like we would listen to all Bob, D- like the whole Bob Dylan CD and then the whole Neil Young album. And then, and then I, and then, then I had like my currency of like 12 songs of each of these artists who I, you know, when I'd be talking to boys, I'd be like, oh my God, rainy day woman, one and two, totally. Yeah. Man, that's for real. <laughs> I'm sure that's a, that's a huge winner with dudes. But that's, I just learned that if you would like, if you, if you sort of like reference, um, don't think twice. It's all right in Demolition Road, and um, I feel like that gets you really far, yeah. especially with like twenty-two-year-old boys who are equally trying to be cool because their older brothers were sort of handing those kind of musics down. So none of us are really listening to it, but we're sort of like owning it as our own. Yeah, I met. When, I remember. I think when I lived in New York, my girlfriend introduced me to like. 
not um, whatchamacallit, not blonde on blonde, but there, she'd be like, you know, she'd be like, oh, let's put on buckets of rain or something. And you're just like, and I was like, oh my god, because before then it was just like, what kind let's of music did 10, you? Maniacs, and you know, was it, what were what was like your like high school college music? I mean, it was classic rock, yeah, and, and top forty. Yeah. Well, and that was like the greatest thing about working in the bar because we sort of had the jukebox thing and then we had the DJ thing. And, you know, it really. And rap. I'm sorry. Rap was a big, became a big thing like, for me. Like Tone Loke rap or like. No, like, like Dale Soul and like oh, Tribe right. Called Quest and that kind of. All right. That kind of. Okay. Okay. I'll accept that. Yeah, but it, that was a big. Yeah. Well, and I got like, I got like that. So then my music education, like, Became like Kiss and Springsteen, and again, all very like bar centric music. Mm-hmm. You know the John Cougar Mellencamp's, and it, you know you're on the East Coast, so it's like so much Springsteen, so much Billy Joel, um, and like and that, and just because that's the music that you listen to over and over, so it's the music you can sing along with. So it becomes a music that you know, and I don't even know if I like it. It's just the music that I have in me. You know, right. yeah, <laughs> and I'm not a very adventurous music person. Like I, I'm just sort of like, yeah, I still listen to Springsteen and and Led Zeppelin, even though. And what'd you tell me? You listened to it last night. Can I? Oh, go for it. Well, my friend Alicia made me this fucking killer mix CD the other day, and it was straight up. Well, you caught me while I was listening to Rock Set, best ever, <laughs> really? which I also think was in the Pretty Woman soundtrack. Right, impossible. Um, <laughs> but the CD was all like Ace of Base, um, Bangle. Who sang Eternal Flame? Was that Bangle? That was the Bangle. Sure, that's my karaoke song. That's your karaoke song. Yeah. Um, God, what else was in there? It was, oh, she had the, she had Dolly Parton singing Nine to Five, which mm. was like that was my. That was like my jam when I was a bartender and like as a <laughs> shout out at like 3 a.m. Like they'd play nine to five and like the DJ was like, it was my DJ Tommy at the time who's now in this band, the Dirty Pearls. But at the time he would like play it and be like, and I was like, woo. And everyone in the bar would be like, why are we listening to this song right now? Did the CDs break? <laughs> <laughs> so I also, I love the idea that you were happy hour. You were playing like Nico. You know, wait. When she's like, yeah. like <laughs> that's the last thing you want to hear. When you're like, oh, sweet, work's over. <laughs> there was a time when I kissed Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The worst happy hour. So, how did did your um? So I'm 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 trying to. Did it have any impact on your bartending? Like, like listen to Dylan, listen to that. Like my thought was, oh yeah, well you listen to that, and you're like, I got to get out of here. Or it seems like that was just kind of like part of your life wait are you saying when you were bartending did you think i was that i was like oh these songs are horrible i gotta leave so i can't hear them that anymore? was my in my head i was like i, go, I better like, go I work at a club this. yeah i can't do oh, this oh man i wish it was i'm an so artist bad. oh no no i mean <laughs> no. but what i'll say though is like i'm so sensitive to music because when i work in a bar or am in a like i will say that like jake salama had the greatest fucking soundtrack like they really knew what to play at eight o'clock what to play at nine o'clock like at three forty-five at last call you throw sinatra or dean martin on and like they were so good at like reading the crowd and i feel like when i go to bars now i'm so sensitive to, to the to the 
fact that I'll be like, you're playing the wrong music. It's fucking midnight. Why are you playing? Sh- it's always, she's always a woman to me. You're ruining your bar. Right. You're ruining. Like, yeah. Or like I'd worked at this bar over in the valley for a while. And at a certain point in the night, people should not be allowed to play the jukebox anymore because they're going to play the songs that they want to hear, which means you'll hear Adele's that, that sad murder yourself one. <laughs> where she's like, uh, oh, some only you. <laughs> oh, like, someone like you? Yeah, that yeah. one where you're like, oh, this is how, this is about being broken up with and like trying to mm-hmm. passive aggressively put on a game face. And like, customers shouldn't be allowed to like play that song at three different points, like between midnight and one, when everybody should be. Sure. I want to rock and roll. Like, that's what should be happening. Yeah. Or Nico. Or Nico. <laughs> I love it. I love her. Um, that's a good point. I never really... Because I, I, bet I bet there are many times I walk by Jake's Dilemma on my way home from, like, uh, like the Angelica or whatever, the, the Lincoln Square theater. Oh, I was like, whoa, you walk really far. I yeah. <laughs> You're I like, I was walk from House Den, too. But, you know, like, seeing some, like, arty movie and I walk by Jake's and I'm like, bunch of jerks. Totally. Listen to Sweet Caroline. But that's like... They I, don't know what Woody Allen's all about. <laughs> But, but it is truth, true. That's though. the whole thing. That it is. Uh, but on the other, the other side of it is me being like, God, the, it looks like it's really fun in there. And like it's freezing people, out here. Everyone's in there with their shirts off because it's sweaty. so sweaty. Everyone's sweaty. making out. <laughs> like, Ba-ba-da. I'm like, fuck you. There were. I mean, that's and it's one of those bars too where people would. You know, people who are like in their thirties would come in and they'd sit at the bar and they're like, "Oh, we um, we met here twenty years ago. We fucked in the bathroom and then we got married." <laughs> and you're like, "Ah, you're totally." But it is one of those places <laughs> where, like, it's like, for lack of a better word, it's intoxicating. Like, you really go in one of those bars where, like, that sort of night is happening, mm-hmm. and like, you totally want to be a part of it. And I think it sort of reminds you of college. Like whenever you were in college, just like that, like super amped up, amped up um, energy. Sure. Like in the greatest way, and you know, and once you get in there, you're pointing at the people outside who just seen the Woody Allen movie, who are cold, who are cold, and their glasses are like fogged up, fogged up. And you're and the jerk. Yeah. You're the jerk who just paid t- ten bucks to see. Yeah. Manhattan replayed down at the Angelica. Going to the Korean deli to get a tomorrow Sunday Times. I'm going to do the crossword. <laughs> You're going to say, get a tomorrow's Sunday. And I was like, yeah. oh, what's that? Yeah, get a tomorrow's is a, Sunday. Is that ice cream? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a sort of Neapolitan flavor. Nobody likes strawberry. Yeah. Only chocolate and vanilla. Exactly. You just got to. That's all I Why don't they just alone. do, like, just like the Politan and leave off the strawberry? Nobody wants that strawberry. Or you can just buy a chocolate and a vanilla pint. <laughs> two pints? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, as I walk by Jake's limb with my two pints. <laughs> no, you're just like, and my paper fuck you guys. And fuck you. <laughs> yeah. um, well, thank you very much. Thank you. Coming on and talking. I love talking about my bad taste in music. All right, folks. We're going out now. Here we go. Why is this working? Oh, there it is. It's more AC Newman. You're not going to hear this at Jake's Dilemma, folks. Uh, I want to thank Greg Barrett, Molly Prather, that Belknap, as always, uh, and AC Newman, Shut Down the Streets. This album's really good. Uh, email me at mattwhalecape.com. And again, thanks for listening. Later. I'm the star of-